The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. All right, and welcome back. I hope everybody is happy and healthy, uh, uh, staying safe, and uh, I'm glad that you joined us. I've got we're got excellent racing uh, to look at for Saturday. No less than four races that will grant points: two to the Derby and two to the Oaks. So um, it's it's go- it's going to be a, a a good day. We're going from Gulfstream Park. Uh, the boys racing in the Holy Bull. The girls in the Forward Gale, and then out on the West Coast, the Robert B. Lewis. Oh, a Bob Baffert entry, wouldn't you know? And then at Oaklawn Park in the middle, we got the Martha Washington for the girls. So these are going to be some good races, and our guest handicapper is going to be none other than I was able to uh, get him on a rare record. Uh, Ed Meyer will be with us, uh, who uh, watches these races very carefully. And then we're staying in Kentucky. Of course, you've probably had enough of politics in the last couple of weeks, but I had to reach out uh, to Senator Damon Thayer, who is the state Senate majority leader, and uh, Kentucky is on the precipice of huge success or disaster. Now, right now, pretty much Kentucky Downs exist solely because they were able to legislate uh, historical horse racing, HHR it's called. Basically, it's very similar to a slot machine, but the numbers that come up are based on races that were run god knows when 15 years ago you can't handicap it or anything like that you press the button then you wait for the numbers come up uh so uh but people love it you know particularly there at kentucky downs because they are stone's throw from nashville um as you know tennessee doesn't have uh any kind of betting and so They've got the simulcast wagering, and they've got the historical horse racing. Well, now we've got plenty of other places in the state that that want to institute it. Uh, right now, I do believe it's it's working in uh, Newport, Kentucky, at a uh, facility owned by uh, Churchill Downs. But Churchill Downs, that's we're finding out that was one of the reasons why they kind of halted the construction on Turfway Park's grandstand. It kind of sits with this issue, and it's coming up soon. Um, the Senate only meets for like 30 days, and then that's it. So Damon Thayer, uh, who's got a background in thoroughbred racing, I've known him for a couple of decades, uh, he's going to kind of catch us up on uh, things that are happening there in Kentucky. So um, uh, the uh, horse race, H H. I'm going to get, yes, HHR, they did have it as an arm of Keeneland at the Red Mile, which is the trotting track very, very close to Keeneland. And they have uh, temporarily closed their historical horse racing operations. That was uh, amazing. So I, I guess there's some 
question as to whether or not uh, these machines are actually paramutual machines. But hey, let's go to the expert on that. But I can tell you this, uh, just in the last fiscal year, these machines handled $2.2 billion. That's how important it is for uh, the, the purses and the farms and the breeding industry, you name it. Uh, this carries them all. As you know, follow the money. So we'll, we'll let Damon uh, tell, tell us about that. But uh, some really great, great people have been chiming on, in on this. All right. Uh, speaking of Kentucky Derby preps right now. Uh, all others is the nine to five favorite while life is good at seven to one is the second choice at the conclusion of Kentucky Derby future wagering pool two. So, uh, you know, this time of year, we don't know. So you could be betting on one of the horses that's, that, that, that's going to win, you know, one of the races we're handicapping tonight, uh, perhaps the, uh, Robert Lewis or the Holy Bull, um, so there's a lot of things that can happen between now and the first Saturday in May, which is why everybody said, hey, if I get to all others, it could be any horse that jumps up. <laughs> Life is good as far as the uh, live horses. Uh, uh, closed out at 7-1, to one, edging Breeders' Cup Juvenile winner Essential Quality at 8-1. to one. So... Uh, those, those are the, some of the top horses. There, there's uh, some other really good ones in there, but you can get your list easily enough at the touch of a keyboard. All right, Joel Rosario is, won a race that uh, we're going to be talking about here in just a minute or two. None other than the grade one $3 million Pegasus World Cup Invitational. What a race, ladies and gentlemen. And it was Nick's go who got the job done. Well, let's go back to Joel. He got jockey of the week. Uh, he had three stakes wins last week, of course, highlighted by that Pegasus World Cup. Uh, he began the week at Santa Anita in the grade three megahertz stakes. And then um, on Saturday, he went to Florida from California. Um and uh, he, Chug McGay gave him a leg up on performer in the grade three Fred W. Hooper. And then obviously uh, Nick's go in the grade one Pegasus. Um, so congratulations to him and prayers going out to Kent DeSormo, uh, who is sidelined with back fractures. Um, he was he went down in a spill last Saturday in the fifth race at Santa Anita and uh DeSormo said the spill caused a couple of little bone cracks. Goes to show you how tough these jockeys are. If I had a couple of little bone cracks, I'd be out for a year. But um, right now he's 50 years old. He's a three-time Eclipse Award winning rider. Uh, and uh, we, we wish him nothing but the best. And uh, the, the horse what was was put down Scat's Choice. And as we've mentioned on the show before, DeSormo was just recently returned to riding at the start of the Santa Anita meet after a five-month hiatus that included a uh, stay at an alcohol rehabilitation center. Bad news on the breeding front, Zenyatta lost her 2021 foal. It was going to be a Philly by Candy ride. Um 
Team Zenyatta's had a tough one. Now, last year she did um, have a candy ride. You may recall her first two foals were uh, the nine-year-old Cosmic one and eight-year-old Zikonic. Um, neither of them went to breeding, but both of them are enjoying new careers as show horses. Um, and then she had a war front die on her. And um, now she, her 2017 filly Zelda by Medaglia Dioro has yet to make it to the races. So uh, we're not going to see another Zenyatta baby just yet. Well, let's get back to last week's races. We got a slew of them. We'll see how many I can get to. But of course, the, 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 it was all down at Gulfstream. What a day. I didn't leave my seat except for personal reasons. And uh, again, we, we talked about the fact that most of these horses race on Lasix. They did not race on Lasix uh, down at Gulfstream Park in a graded stakes race. Well, uh, you know, Nick's go, what, what a horse it's, it's turned out to be. He went off the six to five favorite. What he does, he's got enough speed to get right where he wants to go. And uh, then he just kind of settles into a cruising speed. And it's like, Come on and get me if you can, but he, he he's so strong and he's able to maintain that. Now, the big change in Nick's Go's career uh, came back in uh, February last year at Oaklawn Park. The horse was turned over to Brad Cox. Since then, Nick's Go has won four races in a row and has four 100 plus buyer figures. Now they're not sure if they're going to go over to Dubai with Nick's go yet, even though other horses, including Jesus's team who ran second in this race is uh, committing to a visit uh, to Dubai. And third in the race was independence hall, 27 to one long shot. So it will be great to see where Nick's goes, goes next. He's five years old right now. All right. Also, we had the Pegasus World Cup Turf Invitational, million dollars on the line. And the winner in here, every, a lot of people picked this one, Colonel Liam, at $1.2 million baby. I read Ortiz, brilliant ride, was trapped down on the rail, or maybe he was just bringing him, pulling him in. Uh, but anyhow, just exploded through the lane and got the job done. Uh, second was, uh, a very consistent largent. And, uh, so that's, uh, where we went with those. They were the, they were the top two. Just, just fantastic. All right. Here we go now with the William L. McKnight. We kind of tipped our, our hand in here. Uh, let's see. It was, uh, tide of the sea over, uh, Temple in here, and in the third spot was Doswell, that was uh, pretty well backed at the windows. All right, the inside information grade two. The winner in here was 16 to one shot Pacific Gale. When's the last time you saw John Velasquez winning on a 16 to one shot? That uh, was just an awesome performance. Uh, Pacific Gale uh, did not win a race in its last two seasons. Jonathan Kimmel worked his magic and got the job done. Uh, then we went on to the La Prevente. 
a grade three, 125000 And the winner in here, the even money favorite, always shopping. I read Ortiz in there. Um, got the job done. Very strong finish for trainer Todd Pletcher. And uh, in the second spot was Delta's Kingdom. All right, let's get what we can in. The Marshall's River, grade three, $125,000 race, went to Zafel, an Irish bread with a strong finish for trainer Brendan Walsh, sent away at five to two. And the Fred W. Hooper, we told you earlier, it was Joe L. Rosario on Performer for none other than Shug McGahee. It was a son of Spitestown. All right, just fit 10 pounds in a five-pound sack. When we come back, uh, we're going to find out what is going on in Kentucky, and the guy to tell us what is is none other than Senator Damon Thayer. I'm John Engelhart. And you're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll free. 1 866 472 5788 or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right, and back with us, a man who is no stranger uh, to winning ponies. We've talked to him about some legislative things, and we also uh, tapped him to tell us about his experience at Ascot about a year ago. Uh, None other than the state Senate majority leader in the Bluegrass State, Damon Thayer. Damon, I, I found out something about you this week while doing a little research on your bio. I always Uh assume... I no 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 all good, but it, I was assumed you were from Michigan, but you, you're from Georgetown, Kentucky. I am now. I was born and raised in Michigan. Oh, Went to Michigan okay. State. 
went to uh, worked at Detroit Racecourse. Then I worked at Thistledown in Cleveland. Then I worked at Laurel and Pimlico in Maryland. Then I moved to Kentucky to work at Turfway Park. And I moved to Georgetown 21 years ago when I got the job working at Breeders' Cup in Lexington. And then I got sidetracked into politics, got elected to the Kentucky State Senate eight in 2003. And I still live in Georgetown today, 21 years later. Well, you didn't get sidelined in politics because, as I said, I've known you for about two decades. And asked you one time, or maybe it was a story I read uh, back when uh, you were Detroit Racecourse or something. It's like, well, what do you do in your spare time? He said, well, I like to read political speeches. I'm like, what? This guy's in his 20s and he likes to read political speeches. So you didn't get sidelined into politics. I think you were well-groomed for this step there. Well, I ended up in Kentucky, which is the place to be if you love politics and horse racing, because the politics are the damnedest in Kentucky and the horse racing is the best. So here I am. Well, earlier in the show, I, I, I tried to describe you. I, I, I described what historic horse racing is, which we all know uh, kind of looks very much. If you walk into Kentucky Downs and uh, you know look look to your left, you think you're in a casino with slot machines and uh you know it, it's all a game of chance and uh so it, it, what is i mean it's really scary right now i mean when keeneland you know pulls the plug on historical horse racing operations at the red mile we're talking about serious stuff here so um where are we now and how did we get to this point? Because, Damon, when I look at all these quotes from all kinds of people, um, you know, when you're talking about $2.2 billion during the most recent fiscal year in the Commonwealth, it's a win-win and it's a no-brainer in my idea. What's stopping this from going through? Well, let me give you a little thumbnail sketch about historic horse racing. It started about 20-some years ago when it was known as instant racing at Oakland Park in Arkansas. Yes. Back in two, uh, and, and, and it's, it's a simple concept. It's a horse racing game that is paramutual by its programming on the inside, but on the outside it looks like a slot machine. And it provides the quick action that, that a lot of gamblers like to have. So... In 2009, I sent a letter to then Attorney General Jack Conway, and I asked the question, are these games paramutual? His response was, yes, they are paramutual. They just need to be regulated by the Horse Racing Commission. So the Horse Racing Commission took up the regulatory framework to oversee historic horse racing. And and in 2011, 10 years ago, Kentucky Downs was the first track to install the machines. They've been wildly popular. Fans love them. And they not only create money for Kentucky's general fund to spend on things like education and Medicaid and corrections, but also they have grown our purses to the point where we are closing in on being the top year-round circuit in the country. Since then, there's a new track in western Kentucky called Oak Grove that has installed the machines. It's owned by Churchill Downs. Churchill Downs has also installed the machines at its Derby City Gaming facility in Louisville. 
The Red Mile and Keeneland have a joint operating agreement to run the machines at the Red Mile in Lexington. And Turfway has opened a facility called Newport Racing and Gaming in Newport, Kentucky, which is right across the river, as you know, from Cincinnati, Ohio. The machines have been very popular. There have been lawsuits against them by a right-wing religious group called the Family Foundation. And I'm a right-wing Republican, John, so don't get me wrong. I agree with these people on a lot of issues. But they're wrong uh, in their almost single-minded approach to kill historic horse racing in Kentucky. And they've had a lawsuit going, ongoing now for about 10 years, and they've lost every step of the way. Uh, district court, circuit court, court of appeals, Supreme Court, all ruled that the machines were paramutual. Until last fall, our Supreme Court, made up of a bunch of left-wing liberal activists, <laughs> made a 7-0 decision. You can tell I'm a right-wing Republican. Right? I'm going to take my shot. I'm going to take my shots whenever I can. But these, the, our Supreme Court is terrible. And they single-handedly ruled in a 7-0 decision that the machines were not paramutual under current law and that the General Assembly needed to act to classify them as paramutual. So the racing industry and the racing commission asked the Supreme court to reconsider its decision. The Supreme court, because they think they are more Supreme than the rest of us declined to do that and remanded it back to the circuit court, which led to the red mile and Keeneland deciding to shut down their facility until the general assembly acts. All of the other facilities remain open. In the meantime, John Schickel, a uh, senator from Boone County, where Turfway Park is located, announced today that he's going to be filing a bill next week that will include historic horse racing in the definition of paramutual wagering. A simple bill, six or seven pages long. And he's going to file it on Tuesday. I'm going to sign on as a co-sponsor. It's going to be presented in the Licensing and Occupations Committee on Thursday next week. Where I, will, where I am a member of the Licensing and Occupations Committee, I will vote yes to move it to the floor for its full consideration. I hope and believe it will pass the Kentucky State Senate. It will go on to the Kentucky House of Representatives, where I hope it will pass, and then it will go to Governor Andy Bashir for his signature. It is my hope that sometime in February it will become law, according to statute, that historic horse racing is paramutual, just like live racing, just like simulcast racing, and we can get back to normal and pursue Kentucky being the best year-round circuit in the country. So that's a thumbnail sketch of the situation as it is today, John. Now, uh, Damon, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, wasn't your close personal friend Andy Bashir kind of putting the brakes on this thing a year ago? No, uh, and I'd like, to, I, and I appreciate your tongue-in-cheek. Teach. I am not close personal friends with the Democratic governor, Andy Bashir. We agree on very little. And I've been one of his biggest critics, especially in the way he's handled the pandemic. However, we do have common ground in that we both believe that historic horse racing should be legalized. And I believe he will sign the bill if we put it on his desk sometime next month. 
That's good news. I mean, I mean, do, do the state Senate think they're not only better than most people, but how about the fourteen hundred people uh, that uh, get forty-five million in annualized direct payroll and benefits alone, and, and the racetracks paying a hundred million in state and local taxes this year? Well, what part of that didn't enter their ears? Well, those are good stats, but it's actually bigger than that because the horse industry in Kentucky supports about 60,000 jobs and $3 billion in annual oh, economic yeah. impact. And, it, and it's our signature industry. But there are people who live in rural areas uh, who, um, and look, I'm a, I'm a right-wing conservative Republican. I'm pro-life. I'm pro-gun. I'm, I'm a strong supporter of the Second Amendment. I'm the only legislator in Kentucky to win the NRA's Defender of Freedom Award. I have a 91% Lifetime score with the American Conservative Union. So my conservative bona fides are pretty strong, John. But I believe in supporting uh, gambling and alcohol because I think that people should be allowed to make their own decisions. I think that's at the core of what it means to be a Republican. Remove artificial barriers to free enterprise and let people decide what they want to do with their free time and their money. No one ever forced anybody to go into a racetrack and play a historic horse racing game. Uh, people do it of their own free will. And I gave God, I believe God gave us the ability to decide our own free will. But there are people in my party, and I'm the Senate Republican majority floor leader and the, the leader of the biggest Republican majority in Kentucky Senate history. But there are people in my party who are, are you know, they're from rural parts of the state and where churches are very strong and they, they don't want, to legalize this game. And uh, I respect that. I just disagree with it. And I'm going to do everything I can to support this bill and try to get it passed next month uh, so that our horse industry continue to, to bill itself as the horse capital of the world here in Kentucky. And, and, and Damon, you know, a, a, what was inevitably going to come into this conversation was the fact, you, as you use the term of free will, is that uh, Kentucky's pretty much surrounded by states where in a 30-minute drive in any direction and, and you're, <laughs> you're at a gambling facility that has slots. So you know, what kills me is, you know, I think it was Mark Twain that says, uh, when the earth ends, I, I hope I'm in uh, uh, Cincinnati because nothing gets to Ohio until five years after it happened. <laughs> this is <laughs> actually, this is, actually, John, actually Mark Twain said when he, when the world comes to an end, he hopes he's in Kentucky because everything there help, happens 20 years later. <laughs> and, and you, you know, you're, and I love Kentucky. I'm, I'm a transplant. Uh, I'm an upper Midwesterner who came to Kentucky by choice. And I love this state. I love this state. And I love its people, and I love its signature industries of horses and bourbon. I love its four seasons. I love its geography and its topography. And, um, you know, you're right. We can go to Ohio, Indiana, be in casinos. Uh, West Virginia has slot machines at racetracks. Heck, even Tennessee just legalized sports betting in an online wow. fashion. No um, kidding. Tennessee. Tennessee, for God's sake. Uh, so, look, we have a long history of gambling in Kentucky, illegal and legal. We all know the stories about the old days 
uh, up in Newport, Kentucky, John. You, oh, you know yeah, what I'm that was Little about. Las Vegas, yeah. Little, little Las Vegas. Um, but we have a long history of legalized paramutual wagering and supporting the horse industry. And I think most Kentuckians support this, and I, I believe we will have the votes to pass it sometime next month. Oh, I'll tell you what, Damon, you're warming the cockles in my heart because, you know, I, again, the one thing we probably didn't uh, spend enough time about, and I, I sent you that recent letter that Dale Romans penned, is the, the many, many people in the horse racing industry um, that depend on it for their livelihood. As, as you know, Damon, the, the horse racing industry employs more of the unemployable than any other industry. All you need is the will to work. The, the will to get up early in the morning and have a strong back and you got a job in racing. And, uh, we also house, uh, many, many people. And, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing how much manpower goes into every single horse from the time it's conceived from the people on the farm where, where it's raised, um, you know, and then eventually through its growth period, uh, the veterinarians, the feed man, and then eventually the people that break the horse. And then when they get to the racetrack, there's the exercise riders, the grooms, the assistant trainers, the trainers, the jockeys. I mean, I could go on and on. Uh, it is just phenomenal that the trickle down that the money invested in horse racing has uh, to this country, not Kentucky alone. Well, every horse is a factory that cre- that creates jobs, tremendous multiplier effect. And I'm going to stand up for those jobs. I'm going to stand up for the families who are supported by those jobs. I'm going to stand up for the tourism and the agribusiness. And by the way, you mentioned Dale Romans. Dale and I are good friends. I read his uh, op-ed. I thought it was terrific. I spoke to Dale yesterday. Dale is one of my favorite Democrats. We are, we are really good friends. We get along great. And um, I'm involved in the CJ Thoroughbreds Racing Partnership, and we've got a couple of fillies in training with Dale. And we have a lot of fun when we get together at the races uh, talking about our differences and the things that we agree on. And his his op-ed is, is spot on, and uh, I was really proud of him for writing it, and I, and I fully support the sentiment expressed by it. Uh, it, it really is. And, and, you know, we've we've been on the backstretch, and we've seen it. It, it. It's just phenomenal how hardworking the people in the industry are, not only, you know, top-graded stakes trainers uh, like Dale, uh, but the little guys, you know, eking out a living uh, on the smaller circuits. And they have to have staff, and the horses need to be fed and cared for. And something we also didn't touch on is the fact that, be, until this goes through, Churchill Downs is not going to continue to make invest, investments in properties. So until that happens, Turfway Park will remain a track with three borrowed pods from Churchill Downs for the racing officials, and that's it. No fans, no grandstand. That's right. They've stopped construction on building the new state-of-the-art facility at Turfway Park, canceled their steel order, and you know right now that place should be under construction and it's not, and it's not going to be until, you know, they have a, a certainty uh, on behalf of their shareholders. Church of Downs is a public company. They have to provide value to their shareholders. I respect that. I don't always agree with every decision made by Churchill Downs, but in this case, you can't blame them. There's uncertainty. And, you know, the, the, the thing that stockholders like least is uncertainty. And so that's uh, just a big, big flat uh, dirt area there where the old grandstand used to be 
uh, as I remember it when I worked there from 92 to 99. Well, my, my next guest, Ed Meyer, uh, works there currently. Of course, uh, he'll be back calling races uh, and being the odds maker at Belterra Park during the warmer weather. But he described it to me. He's like, John, you got to get down here. And I said, well, they're not letting anybody on. He goes, well, you own three Kentucky breads, don't you? I said, well, in partnerships. He goes, well, then your eligible come down and watch him run. I'm dying to see it because he, he he paints a very bleak picture of what that area looks like right now. Yeah, I need to get up there and see it myself, uh, and I hope to do so uh, sometime this winter. Well, Senator Damon Thayer, I, I – appreciate you. You really gave this issue a lot of clarity. Thank you for walking us through it step by step. But the best thing that I listened to were the things that are going to happen in the, the week ahead and how you seem to have a very positive outlook that, that things are going to move forward and, and we're going to get this done. And, and the fact that Bashir's not going to, not going to block it and he, he, he's going to do it. Um, I, it still has to go before the Supreme Court, though, after that, right? Well, I don't know. I mean, that's, I don't know if the, the, the people who oppose these machines will sue if the legislature does indeed agree, agree that uh, these machines are paramutual. So, Damon, stay tuned. Any, stay tuned. We will. We will. One last question. I, I, I know I'm going past my break, but... Who 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 is their backer? The, the snake handling snake handling society of America, or where are they getting their funds from? I don't know. I I, I don't want to get into that. I just want to focus on the positive, and I'm going to try to get this bill passed with my colleagues over the next couple of weeks. Well, Damon, thanks a lot, and uh, you keep your sunny side up. And I really appreciate you 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 know painting the picture for us. And I pray everything goes the way you hope it does. Thanks, John. It's always great being on Winning Ponies. All right, Senator Damon Thayer, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking to a man you know I admire, none other than Ed Meyer. Talk. It gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free. 1-866-472-5788 or send us an email at show at winningponies.com John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right, and with me, the man that used to... Uh, uh, be behind this microphone full time, but I try to get him on as often as I can for his handicapping prowess. Uh, he's a racing official. He's an uh, odds maker. Uh, he's a race caller. Uh, he he's a, a writer. Uh, I better stop there. I'm, I've only got ten fingers. So uh, anyhow, with us right now, Ed Meyer. Ed, how you doing? Thanks a lot. I know you've been feeling a little under the weather. I appreciate you powering through and being with us. Ah, talking horses? Are you kidding me? I mean, there's no, there's no work to that. It's all fun. It's great to hear you, John. Well, uh, anyhow, I hope you caught part of uh, Senator Thayer's uh, 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 segment on, on the show. Uh, I pray everything he's hoping for comes through because, as you've painted this picture to me of what uh, one of our old well, you know, I used to work there too at Turfway Park. Uh, it's a kind of a new look shall i say you know it's 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 just kind of odd for umpteen years well longer than that for me that you'd look around and you'd see this gargantuan building in the background and it's no longer there and you know the paddock is still there and you think same as same the the track condition is new this year you know you've got a new surface you got a great jockey county the purses are there you know, except when you, you see this void of no building, I have to say it's a little unsettling. And I would uh, have to say if there's any photography uh, events that uh, if there's somebody big on the track, I sure hope you make your way down. Uh, you, you know I will if I can, but uh, they're predicting snow over the next couple of days, so I think I'll pass on my trip down there this weekend. Uh, but, yeah, from, <laughs> you, down. you know. I've been watching a lot of racing on TV. I'll tell you what, uh, if you guys don't have a 10 horse field, I'm shocked. I mean, that and the horsemen that are there, uh, are, are phenomenal. All we need now is the fans, especially, you know, if, if the bill goes through, uh, as far as HHR, uh, and that grandstand goes up, you're going to see the profits go up too. And it's going to be, you know, even better for the state and certainly for Cincinnati. I mean, you know how many people that place used to employ and that's what it's all about, man, is jobs. You know, that's, 
that's going to be the interesting part. What will it hold? What will it look like, you know, for decades to come? You know, racing in northern Kentucky has been a, alive and well since 59 when it first came out of the ground. And, you know, Latonia to Turfway, and, and it became just a fixture in the area. I can't wait for it to return, John. There seems like there's a void. Even though there's races being conducted, the fans are they're not able to get that full experience. And I think that's so important. Absolutely. Well, we're going to get full experience of Oaks and Derby preps this weekend. And uh, there's not that many standouts in the races we're going to talk about as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Again, I I download my PPs early, so there's no odds Mm -hmm. on them. But I think I can usually figure out who, who people might back at, at the windows pretty well. Uh, let's start out at the Holy Bull. Uh, this horse, uh, th- this race has launched many a great horse. And uh, it's a grade three, 200,000. And I think it's the richest race we're going to handicap tonight. Um, mile and a 16th. <clears throat> and quite frankly, about oh, at least half the field are going to try their hooves uh, stretching out around two turns for the first time in their life. And that offers us a handicapping challenge. What's interesting about this race, Ed, and I don't know if you've been tracking this or not, but um, when it first started, when the Derby preps first started, we were seeing a lot of young horses that had raced on Lasix at other jurisdictions. Well, you know, that's not going to happen with any of the Derby prep races. And I can only find one horse in the field in the Holy Bull. It's almost like these guys have been rehearsing for not racing on Lasix. And there's only one horse in the field that's even raced on it. And that is uh, awesome. Jerry, he came back in his next race, the Mucho Macho Man, and finished a game second uh, about a uh, very popular horse, Mustabeg. Uh, and uh, so that's awesome. No, uh, that was that was Papa too. Awesome. Jerry finished third. But again, I digress. He's the only horse in the field that's ever been treated with Lasix. You know, when you start, you start seeing that it, it's kind of six and a half dozen of the other. You know, I, I speak to a lot of trainers taking entries every day. And so many are now geared into this automatically that when they were two, there was no, there was no Lasix in Kentucky. Now, when they were three, they, they could run with Lasix. And, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, hey, I can run with Lasix again. But, you know, certain, certain ones are really sticking to the tried and the true. And, and for me in this race, I, I scrapped everything. I was really soul-searching for a price. And I came up with the six prime factor. I ran Ortiz and aboard for trainer Todd Fletcher, one for one in Gulfstream, but only one start. So he's been all for 49 days. I like the I like the little rest in between there, coming back good and fresh. When six furlongs stalked right off the pace, I'm looking for a little up close version, either on the lead or just right off. But I ran Ortiz with 28% with early runners. I like three to one prime factor. And Team uh, Todd Squad Pleasure, give me all you got. Yeah, and that was a brisk uh, early pace too, twenty-two and one, and forty-five to one. Um, so yeah, th- there's a lot of reasons to like that horse. A uh, horse that 
drew my attention, or is it just broke its maiden? And it's got the other Ortiz on it, Jose, and that is greatest honor. If you look at this horse's, you know, first of all, it's Shug McGahee. You know, he's not in a big hurry to get to the Derby, but obviously the horse developed well for him and just seemed to get faster and faster and faster. And like the last race, going a mile and a 16th, seemed to figure it out. A, uh, uh, a homebred son of Tappet for Cortland Farm. And so th- that'll be an interesting one, of course, uh, or, or, or Ortiz won't, uh, won't hurt it at all. And kind of a head scratcher that could be any kind is uh, Tarantino. Uh, a Rudolph Brousset horse that used to be trained by Baffert that is only raced on the turf. Well, you're, you're going to, you're going to get a lot of, a lot of angles, you know, coming that turf to dirt, you know, is the time, but take a look at that three-year-old Colt by Pioneer that now as honest as the day is long, only a nose short from being three for three. You know, I, I think there's just some young Colts out there that, that possess the ability, his dam without delay, had five starters and five winners. So, you know, you've got some good bloodlines here. Uh, Rudy Brissett is probably one of the best and up-and-coming, when I say young trainers, it's it's not uh, making him uh, a young man, but uh, he, he's still new to the scene, and it's really being impressively watched. And he's winning 43% of the time. I can see Tarantino being an excellent part of this game. Well, it will be interesting. We'll see if any of these horses uh, are, are derby bound. Again, uh, that's the 11th at Gulfstream Park. The Holy Bull, a grade three worth $200,000. Well, while we're in sunny Florida, let's stay there and look at the girls. That This is an Oaks prep, and it's the forward gal, uh, seven furlongs. So, obviously, they're going to have to take a step forward uh, off of this race. And, Ed, I'm going to let you go first, and then I'll tell you who I like. You know, after taking a look at it and going seven panels, that's actually one of my favorite distances. I come up with the two, three tipsy chicks, five to one. Ian Wilkes and Julian Lepru are teaming up. They had a very impressive uh, win on November 21st at Churchill Downs going six and a half. And you'll say, well, they're going to go an extra half a furlong. After going back and watching this race, distance is not going to be one bit of a problem. Lepru is a very patient rangeman. He wins 15% of the time with his sprinters there. But what sold me, what sealed the deal with Ian Wilkes was there was a bullet work, and prior to that, there was a very solid work. There was, uh, it, she was not just in a workmanlike mode, but actually iron on iron, sharpening up for this event. Um, I, I, the the, uh, the horse I, I want to see perform well is competitive speed. She sold as a for $5,000 at the Ocala sale. She's buying a $5,000 stallion and she's already earned 76,000, four starts, three lifetime wins. And they've been in a row. And, uh, again, Gulfstream park undefeated at Gulfstream. Uh, it will be interesting, but the, the horse I probably will be betting is Zygeel. Uh, Todd Pletcher trainee has only made one start, Damn, that horse at the quarter pole just said, see ya. And since then has come back and trained very well. And that maiden race at one was a seven furlong at Gulfstream Park. So uh, I'm going to be looking at, again, I don't have any odds. It may be the six to five favorite for all I know. But uh, th- th- Seven to five. You, you were close, very close. There you go. Well, I'm talking to an odds maker. You know how that stuff works. But uh, you know, I just want to say I wasn't a, a, a chalk-eating weasel so um 
that's the one that caught my eye and uh, competitive speed, you know, the, the, the way it ran the last time, I think it easily will handle an extra half of furlongs, but I like when a horse comes out of nowhere and turns out to be a good one, but you know me, I'm always pulling for the little guy. All right. Let's, uh, <laughs> I have to, I am one, you know, uh, I'm in the fraternity. <laughs> you better but, uh, out here. You're not only a, a guest, you're the president. uh all right let's go where hopefully it's dry um at at santa anita they had to cancel the races yesterday because they were either had or were expecting a uh you know deluge out there um this will be a main track race a mile and a 16th the robert b lewis this always attracts good horses and uh you know when we're Pulling down the races, you know, this race wasn't going. I said, well, you know, let's do the Robert B. Lewis if they run it. And then I didn't say it, but the thought was, I said, I guarantee you Baffert will have at least two in there. And turns out my crystal ball was correct. Um, a Dinah Spirit on the inside and the million dollar baby Spielberg on the outside. Now, of those two, I've got a favorite Medina Spirit because it just ran second to Life is Good, who's the individual favorite in the uh, early Kentucky Derby wagering. Um, you know, uh, th- this horse uh, uh, broke its maiden easily first time and then runs second to Life is Good with a 99 buyer. So I expect that one to get a lot of favorite. Now, uh, Briefly, over to Spielberg, uh, this horse is a graded stakes winner. It was a grade two, the Los Al Futurity. Um, it has, you know, six starts, two wins, two seconds, and a third. So it hasn't run the, the table. But the horse is always there versus top company. But if you look at its speed numbers, he's just not as fast as some of the other ones in here. So then my eye kind of goes over to this hot rod, Charlie, a Joel Rosario coming off jockey of the week honors. And, uh, once they put blinkers on this horse, it became a whole nother animal and ran second in the grade one breeders cup juvenile at a mile and a 16th as a two-year-old. You know, that was really impressive that day at 94 to one running second. And I mean, really giving your owners, uh, their money's worth there. John, the second runner that you, you touched on here, the Baffert runner, Spielberg, really kind of caught my eye. And I'm a big watcher of the last race. I'll go back and I'll take a peep. But, you know, it's really just not a trouble mark. I want to see how they're traveling. And they switched over to Flavian Pratt last time out, who wins 27% of the time going a route of ground with early runners. You know, I think this is a real good move here. Uh, Pratt gave a very well-timed ride as Many uh, historic California riders had that patience, uh, you know, streak right in their blood that they they could really just time it out perfectly. I love Spielberg, Bafford. I, I think this is the, uh, I guess, your better part of the the two first price being seven to two. Flavian Prada board. I really have good luck with this guy all around, and uh, winning on the last race, Team Bafford only scores thirty percent of the time. So. For me, the numbers were just kind of jumping out. And when I went back and watched the race, you know, even at Los Al, John, I was really, really impressed. It it was just a nice movement. Well, Ed, how many times uh, have race trackers seen it 
that when Baffert's got two horses mm-hmm. in a race and they're uncoupled, you automatically bet the one that has slightly longer odds. <laughs> I was hoping that would play in, but about I was hoping for about six or eight to one. But uh, you know, I, I know why. I know why yeah, he's seven to two because I, I saw the last race. But you know, Medina Spirit, the first one you touched on, Abel Sadia, a very very talented young rangeman for Bob Bamford getting the rail trip here is only three parts of a length out from winning the sham and you know was gaining late and I did go back and watch that one caught mine I said very solid I know why it's five to two it should actually be a little lower and you know when I'm guessing that when when they go off I could see nine to five eight to five on this one I think the the fans are really going to like it but you know what I could see myself boxing the two Bamfords and maybe dropping in a bomb, you know, maybe not a bomb, something like Ron Bauer, who's been off for two months in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, who ran fifth that day. And you know what? Didn't run a bad race. So I think Ron Bauer at 8-1 would be a nice addition to the Baffert sandwich there. Yeah, and get the services of Mike Smith, uh, who won aboard this Colt uh, with his only victory. It was the, the grade one. Uh, oh, didn't win, but just missed uh, by three quarters of a length in the grade one American Pharaoh. So yeah, I think that's a nice one. Um, I'm also, you know, don't forget Baffert's not the only guy in here that's won a Derby. Uh, You know, uh, Doug O'Neill got hot rod Charlie, the allude to, but uh, uh, wipe the slate isn't exactly chop liver. No, not, no, not at all. You, You got a ton of speed there. Son of Nigel. I mean, and Mario Guterres wins 13% of the time with speedy runners. I know that I always put you to sleep with numbers, but actually there's numbers that support this. Wipe the slate, if left on the alone on the lead, might put your lights out real quick. This is a real quick uh, son of Nyquist here, one for one at Santa Anita. Last time out, had, uh, had Butte there and... Uh, Still, still no Lasix here, and you know I, I can go with it all the way around. Mario Gutierrez and Doug O'Neill and Redham Racing, you know they have quite the history. You know what? White the slate would not surprise me. You know, but my I think my money still stays where I initially called it. But you know, this is a nice runner, very nice. Runner. All right. Well, we get about a minute to talk about a short field in the Martha Washington. This one's at Oak Lawn Park uh, for the ladies and. There's one horse that just jumped off the paper to me, Ed, and that was number three coach, Brad Cox. I mean, he's got the Midas touch. It's first start of the season uh, for coach, but uh, this horse is a stakes winner at Churchill Downs at a mile and a 16th. This is a mile. Uh, it had a work at Oaklawn not too long ago. Best of 114 at four furlongs. I think uh, Brad Cox has this horse on her toes. I think you're right. I, I, I mean, his numbers speak for themselves. No longer can you refer to Brad Cox as up and coming. He's here and it's now, and it's time to pay the fiddler. When this guy, he brings a horse to, to the paddock, John, you have to pay it full-time respect. A, a runner that caught my eye. And just for giggles and maybe even that other part of your other part of your exacta is a six Sylvia Q, a boatload of speed with Martin Garcia, Philip Bauer, blinkers on first time out, just missed by a nose. So I think the trainer probably found a little a little necessity there for focusing on business. When you lose by a nose at the wire and, you know, you've got Martin Garcia picking up the mount, I, I think uh, some possible good things can happen here. The equipment change, first time blinkers. Might be the second part of your objective. 
Gotcha, Ed. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm up against the clock. Want to remind everybody that uh, the easy win forms pulled down some really good picks uh, earlier this week. Um, as we close out the show, but uh, just not long ago, it was just uh, yesterday it was a $1 super high five that paid over $1,600. Well, thank you, everybody. Thank you, Senator Thayer, my man, Ed Meyer, and our producer, Josh, by gosh, I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week, and may your photos always be winners.